Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast, where we discuss dynasty strategy, rankings, and all things NFL. So get ready to geek out on fantasy football with your host, Rich Dotson. And welcome back to the Dynasty Nerds Podcast. I'm Garrett Price. This is Matt O'Hara. And Rich Dotson is still in Ireland, not here. Uh, Jared Wackerly doesn't like us anymore, so he didn't want to join us either. Uh, so it's just Matt and I tonight. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Well, I'm doing good, man. I feel like next week it's going to be just one of us, right? Like that's how it's got to. <laughs> I, I think we're slowly dwindling. <laughs> this is like Hunger Games style. Yes, right, right. Last, and last I, standing. So which one of us is going to win? Like, I mean, this is going to be a no holds barred match for for who's the last one standing, huh? I think so. And based on how I'm feeling tonight, I think there's a good chance you're the last one standing. So Yeah. Feeling <laughs> so a little under the weather. Next week. <laughs> That's your reward. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> cool beans. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of reward, you can get basically the best reward ever if you go over to Underdog Fantasy. Head over there. You can deposit $10. You can deposit $100. Either way, they're going to match it if you use the promo code NERDS. Haven't heard of Underdog? Basically, it's the best best ball formats anywhere. Best ball is basically you draft a fantasy team, a redraft team, but you don't even have to set a lineup. They'll do that for you. They're just going to take the best of the best that you have on your team each week. And there's there's leagues in there, like the Best Ball Mania 4, where you can win up to $3 million. Matt, could you use $3 million? I could use it. That's why I I started it last. I did one last week after the show that you did because you, did you convinced really? me. I was like, it went pretty well. You know, I I, I did kind of um, fade the wide receivers a little bit, like we we, we kind of did on our mock draft a couple shows ago. Yeah, so I was a little bit running back heavy, a little bit quarterback heavy. Um, uh, so we'll see how that one that one plays out. I'm probably going to enter a couple more times as well, just just before this is all said and done. As you yeah. should. I think I, yeah. I think I got probably close to ten. Uh, best ball mania drafts in there now and it was funny i had somebody dm me uh last week or the week before and was like you know it's good to see that you actually go with players that you talk about on the podcast so apparently he happened to be in the random league that i was in and he recognized my screen name so i thought that was pretty funny but that is funny uh but best of all if you sign up use promo code nerds you can get the entirety of the gm tool the plus the nerd herd all of that, the extra podcast, the nerd score, the film room, everything for free. For free. For absolutely free. So this is the best deal, the best gift in in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football, all of fantasy football, period. Look, Father's Day is coming up. You don't know what to get for your dad? Get him this. Get him, get, spend $10. You get him underdog and you get him the nerd herd <laughs> and the GM tool. Greatest gift of all time. Yep, and you know, only applies for new uh, new users, right? For right. both, um, if you are an existing nerd herd member, you get one of these fantastic T-shirts. Exactly, we'll send one of these to you as a thank you. Um, but other other than that, the, the the full deal applies. If you're new to the nerd herd, you're new to underdog. That's right. That's right. Yep. All right. So Matt, today we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, our boy Jared Wackerly had uh, a very good idea. He was yep. like, why don't we do like a voicemail show? So this is kind of like old school radio where people would call in 
ask questions, but then of course he doesn't show up for the episode. So now we are going to figure this out on our end. So hopefully we don't mess it up and hopefully these come through, but in the nerd herd episode. So right after this, Matt and I will be answering specifically trade questions. So none of these questions will be trades, but in the nerd herd episode, they will be all trades. So all of these questions will be stuff about fantasy, stuff about dynasty, but not specific. Would you trade Travis Kelsey for Kyle Pitts or, you know, right. whatever. Matt, are you so ready? Hopefully, I'm ready, man. I, I want to get into some good discussions about just dynasty in general. I love getting into the weeds of this kind of stuff. So this should be a good show. It should be fun. Yeah, there's, there's lots of good questions in here. I was excited when I heard some of the different ones. I think this will bring up some good conversations, some good talking points. Uh, so I'm ready for this. So first one we have here is TK2 Sticks. So TK2 Sticks, here is your question. I have a super flex tight end premium startup draft in about two weeks, and I have the second overall pick. Uh, there's a third round reversal in the draft, so I'm a little bit worried about uh, lack of high-end depth. Uh, do you guys think I should trade back or just settle with uh, Josh Allen at two? Uh, I know obviously you're trying to find value anywhere you can go, but uh, what sort of value would you take in order to trade back? Or do you think uh, getting that superstar at the second overall pick is worth it? All right, Matt. So he's got the second overall pick in a startup here. I have a fly that's attacking me. Um, <laughs> I, didn't want to be, I didn't want to say anything, but I saw the fly attack. You saw the fly? Yeah. No, yep. That's going to be great. That's going to not be annoying all show. Um, <laughs> so he has the second overall pick in the startup. It is a third round reversal. So maybe slight less value at the beginning of a draft at, compared to what you would normally have. Would you be more comfortable staying at two, taking that superstar quarterback, Mahomes, Allen, somebody like that? Or are you more comfortable trading back, trying to get more assets? What do you prefer to do there? Listen, I, I think you and Jared have talked about it, trading down and, and stuff like that in, in startups. That's not really my thing. I kind of <laughs> wait. Um, and so I, I personally would just sit there. I would take the superstar and I would I would love it. You know what I mean? I would, mm -hmm. I, that would be my cornerstone. I, and I would kind of wait to see how things fell later on in the draft to see if I needed to make moves kind of post draft and stuff like that or, or later on in the draft. Mm -hmm. Um, so that that's how I would attack that one personally, because it's just not in my nature in a startup to do that. I, I kind of wait for guys to fall and wait for value to fall and, 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 and kind of pluck it from there. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's how I usually generally attack, um, uh, startups. I mean, if, if I'm really dead set on getting somebody and I feel like they're not going to they're not going to fall to me. I will, I'll trade up. I'm not a, a trade back and acquire and, and, and like do all this kind mm -hmm. of moving. I feel like it's, I don't know. It just, I get lost in the weeds doing all that kind of crap. And it's just too, it's just too much for me. I don't know. Yeah. So I am a chronic trader and startup. Yeah. I love moving up, moving back, moving. Like I will go all over the place. I'll completely leave around. I'll trade for just to move up two picks. Like it, it's all on the table for me. For me, and he alluded to it a little bit in the question, but really what it comes down to me is where is the value? Like, where is the value at? And that's what I'm trying to acquire. Now, there is also, you know, at, at cer a certain point in the draft, you kind of figure out, all right, I'm a little bit of an older team, so I'm, I'm going more for the win now. Or I don't have the horses to do it this year, so I really want to focus on picks and younger assets. So, you know, that can play into it as well. But for me, if I'm at two, I'm fielding offers. 
because there are going to be people that are going to want Josh Allen. Now, if there's not an offer that I like, I'm perfectly comfortable sitting back and taking Josh Allen. Like he is a top two, some would argue the top asset in dynasty fantasy football right now. So it's never a bad thing to get somebody of that caliber, but there are people that prefer the strategy of, okay, I want two or three elite assets and I'm going to go like stars and scrubs. I want to, you know, I'm going to get two first round picks and two second round picks, but I'm not going to have a draft pick until 2026. I'm not going to have anything in rounds three through eight. I'm not like there's people that prefer to go that route for me. I like to build my team in rounds three through eight. Like that's where I really like to build. And I like to look at players that I think are going to accrue value over the, over the next year. So when I'm drafting next year, what's the most likely outcome? They're roughly in the same range. They're further back or, or they moved up a few rounds. And so that's what I'm looking to do. I'm fielding offers there. And so if somebody would say, so let's, for example, Let's say somebody is offering me their first round pick, but it's all the way down at pick 11. And they're going to offer me their, their, their fourth round pick and their sixth round pick for the 102. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and I'm going to look at roughly who do I think is going to be in these ranges? And are those names, do I like those three names in a deal better than I like Josh Allen. And that's really what, that's really how I approach it. So, and, and really you're looking at ADP there and, and that yeah. kind of stuff. And, yeah. Um, and so yeah. we don't know for sure that those guys are going to be there, but you know, right. a range of, there's a good chance, you know, of this group of five players, one of them's probably going to be there or, you know, so that's what I like to do. So, and I don't have the ADP right in front of me, but you know, let's say that I'm looking at, okay, so Justin Fields, and, you know, in round four, then I'm getting, um, let's say, Drake London. That might be a little late for Drake London, but just for argument's sake, let's say Drake London. And Drake, then Drake, London is, Drake London is 4.1 right now, so it would have to be the okay. first pick in the fourth round. But that's okay, Drake so London. right around there. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, J.K. What did you Dobbs. say? He's sixth-rounder pick? Yeah, yeah. So you're looking at guys like Jared Goff, Traylon Burks. Um, DeAndre Swift is in the sixth round. Um, Debo Samuel, Trey Lance, Brandon there we go. Yeah, Debo, Traylon Burks, somebody like that. Then I'm looking at the fourth, like a, a Drake London type player, and then Justin Fields. Would I rather have the two receivers and a, a less proven asset in Justin Fields, or do I want the guaranteed Josh Allen? So, like, that range would be pretty fair for me. Like, that would make me think. You know, I don't know that I'd pull the trigger, but that would make me think. So I think that's what you got to do is you got to field these offers and then you need to start putting ranges of names in there to really see, do I want to move up? Do I want to move back? Do I, you know, that kind of stuff. It, the, I know that you don't like doing that kind of stuff, but do you, are you comfortable with that concept at least? No, I, I mean, I think that's a great process and I'm, and I'm glad you laid it out that way because it is the way you need to think about it. I mean, that's, you're giving up the, the big time asset. So you, you have to make sure what you're getting on the back end of that. Um, and that's why I, there's so much uncertainty in that kind of deal. That's why I don't like those kind of things. I would rather just take Josh Allen sure. and a- after the draft, trade, trade him if I want to for exactly what I want. You know what I mean? Like there's sure. no, sure. there's, you're taking all the guessing out of it. You can get a, a, an exact deal that you want. So that's, that's how I see things. And, and, and 
you're actually filling holes then too, because you could you could sure. tailor the trade exactly to what you like, uh, or, or exactly what your team needs uh, to to kind of succeed. Whereas in the startup stuff, it just gets real tricky because you it, everything could work out. It could be fantastic. It could work out great. Um, sure. But it could it could also go the other way, and you're really scrambling. Um, so it could it could change kind of the whole fortune of your team. You do have to be careful, I guess, uh, and that's why I don't like doing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the the other reason I I'm I do trade is I like to look at my tiers of players, and so you know I'm looking at certain guys, and I'm like, wow, this guy is I have him a tier above the players that are going right now. Maybe this is a good time to trade up. And get that player because even if I have to give up a little more, I have this guy around better than what round we're in right now. So it's more than worth it to me because I feel like I'm getting a third round pick, but I'm paying fourth round pick price tag. And and sometimes it just comes down to personality. I mean, sure. what some people like that action in the startup draft. They like to yeah. be moving around. They like to be bumping around. They they like the the adrenaline rush that you get from that, which For I sure. understand. I mean, even just drafting, you get a, a, a bit of an adrenaline rush. When you're doing a live draft and it's happening, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> I just don't feel comfortable doing it, so that's not me. So I'm yeah. not gonna, I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? So you have to know yourself, know know For what sure. you're comfortable doing, it and kind of th- know where the risks are. You know, like yeah. if you can deal with the risks, if it doesn't go the right way, then you know, pull the trigger, have some fun, man. It's fantasy football, right? Absolutely. All right, let's go to Sedated Forks question here. Hey, what's up, nerds? I got a question for the. For the dynasty nerds, I like to try to experiment with productive struggle and I just can't seem to fully engage on it. Uh, I recently did a startup and I just couldn't pass up young talent, but you know, I did trade down a bit and ended up with three firsts in 2025 with the thought that these teams that are trying to get these good players may not be as good as in 25 as they are in 24. Um, am I doing things wrong here? What's the, uh, what's the best approach here to get a good productive struggle startup? Yeah, Matt. So productive struggle, that's, I've gotten a lot of questions about that lately. Uh, how let's go with the general concept real quick, uh, because there might be some people listening to this that say, what what is a productive struggle? So sure. basically the general concept around it is in your startup draft, you are not necessarily trying to draft a team that's going to win a championship year one. Your goal is to more get younger assets, but a bunch of them and draft picks, a bunch of them to hopefully set yourself up for a long-term run two to three years down the road. So that's the general con, like the reader's digest version of what a productive struggle is. Um, Matt, do you, do you ever go with this approach? Are you comfortable with it? Cause there are some people that love this approach. There mm-hmm. are others that say you are basically donating money to your league, your first few years. Uh, what's, are you on a particular side or, or not? Um, so I guess, when I first started in Dynasty, which was when Dynasty was like first starting, basically, I the first team I ever drafted, I I would I drafted my team. I was like, see you guys in three years. So I like this was like my thing, you know what I mean? Like I and it 
and three years came and my team still stunk <laughs> and it just didn't work. It, like you just have to be, you have to be ready for it not to work. Cause if you go that route, it can blow up in your face and, not, and, and totally just you're shooting yourself in the foot and your just team stinks for like five years. And that can be hard. Um, so you really have to do it right. Um, you know, you almost, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for me to like really fully get behind it because I've just been burned by it so many times. Sure. And 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 I did the exact opposite in my second startup. You know what I mean? I felt like I had learned so much just in in a couple of years span that the second startup I ever did, I, I did the complete opposite. I won the championship the first year. I felt great. It was amazing. <laughs> and then my my team was good for the next couple of years. I didn't I didn't win any more championships. And then I had to blow it up and I was fine with that. You know what I mean? I was, sure. I had my championship under my belt. I had some good feelings in my heart <laughs> and, and I was able to blow up that team. And now I'm back on top again in that league. Um, right. You know what I mean? For kind of, it, I'm going to my, this is going to be my third year in a row if I win this year. And I, 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 I'm pretty confident I have the best team in that league also. Um, so for me, I, I don't love the productive struggle. I would rather, kind of build a more balanced team. That's how I like to do it uh, mm-hmm. in year one and and just kind of let the f- chips fall where they will. Um, that's that's me though. You know, yeah. I, we, I talked about on the last one how I'm not I'm not into all these kind of trades and startups and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So naturally, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna love doing that kind of stuff. Um, right. But I guess if 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 you are going for that strategy, you know, acquire a bunch of draft picks. I don't know if 2025 I feel like is a little bit far out for me. I understand the concept uh, that he's going after, like, hey, these teams will will probably be worse in two years than they are in 2024. Sure. But for me, I would, I would, I mean, 2024 is supposed to be a pretty good draft. Right. And by then, you know, you stunk for one year, you got a bunch of, of extra draft picks in 24 and then 2025, hopefully your team will be rolling and you'll be winning some games and like starting to feel good about it. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's where I like to be in, in year three of a rebuild. So I have done the productive struggle. Uh, I, I don't want to say often, uh, but it's it's not foreign to me. I've, there are definitely several teams where I've gone about the productive struggle route. And I'll say this. A few of my best teams that I have were former productive struggle teams. Mm-hmm. Some of the worst teams that I have were former productive struggle teams. Um, so it, it is a, a high risk, high reward uh, type of situation. If you are a team or if you are a manager that tends to identify draft picks and hit on those draft picks, you have a good shot to do well with it. If acquiring draft assets is not something that you do well and you don't draft very well, don't go, don't do the productive struggle route because it's just going to be miserable for you. Um, Identify current talented players, make moves for those guys go that route. So, but if you are going that route, um, I don't have any issue with the 25. I'm with you. I would, I would always prefer getting the assets now, uh, especially 25. There's not a ton of great news right now coming out about the 25 class. We'll see. It's, it's still very far away to know for sure, or even have a good inclination, but usually the better classes, we have a decent vibe by now. And their top couple players in that class are fine, uh, but they're not Bijan. They're not Caleb Williams. They're not 
you know, some of these types of players. So Marvin Harrison, Marvin, he looks so freaking good. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. Um, so, so I'm with you. I would prefer 24, but, but I, I appreciate the thought that's put into, you know, looking in advance, getting draft picks from win now teams in the future, because those could tend to be higher draft picks. So I'm not opposed to getting 25 draft picks in the startup. I just want to make sure I'm prioritizing getting 24 and then maybe later down when you're in the eighth round and you're trading your eighth round pick, maybe you'll have to settle for a 25 first instead of a 24 first. I'm fine with that. Um, But getting young assets can still be a part of the productive struggle. He mentioned that in there just because you're acquiring young assets, even if they're good ones, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going about in a semi rebuild right from the jump. It just means that, you have a little more certainty in these assets as opposed to the draft pick assets is all that means. So I have no problem getting a few young players that I really feel confident in, in a productive struggle. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, the first one I ever did, I, I, before the term productive struggle was out, I basically did a productive struggle. And to your, to your earlier point, I, I, I was so new to dynasty and, I wasn't good at evaluating talent. I was still figuring my way out through that whole process. And that's why it didn't work. It never came together. The team, I always had three or four really good players, but I wasn't able to pull in and trade the other assets and get the whole team together that you need to really have a championship caliber team. So it was, it was one of those things where I just struggled for years and it was hard. I mean, it sucked. I mean, I, I started getting so down. I, I renamed my team the last place losers. Like it was, it was horrible. Like it, was, it was really bad. <laughs> you were in a dark place. It was a very dark place. And I emerged. That was the one I did win three, three in a row eventually. And, um, but uh, it took a lot of long, hard looks in the mirror, you know, like what am I really doing here with this team? And I, I eventually pulled it out, though. Uh, you so, go. you know, you can you can emerge even from a terrible situation with a bad strategy to start. You can eventually pull yourself out of it. So persevere. Still yeah. hope. Look at this positive message. <laughs> All right. This is uh, Bradley Mason here. Bradley Mason. Hey, guys. My name is Bradley Mason, Nerd Herd member and fellow Ohio resident. I'm a big fan of the show. Uh, my home league has been going for six years now. We're a 10-team, one QB, non-PPR, pretty basic league, starting two wide receivers and a flex. Uh, We finally convinced the league to move to three starting wide receivers and a flex starting in 2024, and I'm a heavy contender for the next two to three years. I want to just make sure I'm set up for success. Uh, My wide receivers right now are Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Waddle, D.J. Moore, Pittman, and Tony. Uh, how, how do you guys feel about having both A.J. Brown and Smith on the same team? Um, with us moving to three wide receivers, should I be looking to sell Devonta Smith to maybe diversify the, the teams on my roster? What do you think? Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah, Matt, we've gotten questions like this before. How do we feel about having two wide receivers from the same team as two of your probable starting assets like are you comfortable with that are you actively shopping smith or no or aj brown i guess right uh, um i mean if i'm going to move one of the two it's it's probably going to be devonta smith um this is this is a weird one so i mean it can work out right i mean like mm-hmm. you can it, these guys were both uh, wide receiver ones last year and, and 
they are they are projected to be for years to come. I mean, these are are two stud wide receivers in a great offense. So it can work out. It can be okay. I mean, week to week, I feel like you know it's going to be few and far between by both that both those guys hit. Um, but I think you can you can kind of average out and th- say, hey, I'm going to get. F- 15 to 18 points from both of these guys on a weekend and week out basis and feel pretty good. So it it can be fine. depending on the offense, depending on the players. Um, In this particular instance, I'm not like itching to get rid of either one of them. If the right deal comes around and I, and I do get to diversify my wide receiver core, obviously that's ideal, but it has to be the right deal. It has to be the right deal for me. I mean, those guys are both high end assets and they're young. Uh, So you can't just give one of those guys away just, to move on and have wide receivers from different teams. You really have to get good value. So it, it is going to hundred percent, you know, rely on value uh, as to whether or not you pull the trigger on that. But in general, I mean, in general, you don't want to have the guys from the same team just because it, it could cap your, you know, week to week output because chances of two wide receivers on one team having monster games is it, it's just a little bit low. You know what I mean? Like you, you could have two, two wide receivers go berserk uh, from two different teams on any given week. Like that could happen week in and week out. So uh, it, it's, it's a little tricky. It's not ideal, but if, if you have the right players on the right offense, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I think, I think we're in a similar boat here. I, I don't really stress too much about having two guys on the same team, especially if I'm a championship contender and I have a lot of other good assets around me. Basically, when I have two guys on the same team that are both starting for me, all I'm really doing is I'm maybe capping my ceiling a little bit, but I'm raising my floor because the odds of both of those guys bombing in the same week are, are very low. Like that's probably never going to happen where both of them bomb in the same week. So, yes, you are capping yourself on some of those monster weeks, but you're preventing yourself from having some really bad ones and some real stinkers, too. So I'm with you. I'm not necessarily actively trying to move a player, but if the right fair deal comes along, sure, I'll move one of them. But I'm not going out of my way forcing a deal to happen just because I'm worried about having both players. So right. I, I think especially those two players, I, I'm good with it. It'd be like having Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Like, do I want both on the same team? Not necessarily, but both are good players. So I want an abundance of good players. And and for years, I think three years in the league, I've had Debo and Brandon Ayuk on a team. I've been fine with it up until the, I mean, I just finally got a trade um, that I, it was you and I traded. Oh uh, yeah, I, yeah, and, and and you got Debo um, off me. But for years, I was fielding low ball offers for Brandon Ayuk because just because people thought I wanted to diversify my wide receiver core, and he stayed on my team for yeah. all those years because I was just getting crap offers for him. I mean, granted, he wasn't doing amazing, but I, I believed in the player. I wasn't going to I wasn't gonna give him up for a low ball offers just to get him off my team, and uh, I think it worked out pretty well. I, I got a good deal with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I got some win now type of stuff for Debo, and, um, and I still have Brandon Ayuk, who I feel very comfortable starting week in and week out, so it's a similar situation, but probably a step down from the one that we're talking about, you know, sure. uh, AJ Brown and, and um, Devonte Smith are, are uh, uh, both a big kind of a step up from both the guys I was just talking about. So I, I wouldn't hesitate to keep those guys until I get a, a good deal. And if I don't get a good deal, just keep them on your team. You're fine. 
Absolutely. I feel like that's similar to situations where you have uh, like an abundance at one position and people keep sending you low ball offers for, you know, you have three startable tight ends. Just trade me one of them. Like, yeah, for a fair offer, I'm happy to trade you one. But just because I did well and I loaded up at a position doesn't mean you get a discount. That's 100% true. One of the worst things and and like the terrible logic is, I mean, as well, I understand that they're they're trying to work the, whatever angle they possibly sure. can to get a better deal, but it's just, it's, a, it's crap logic and you're not going to get away with it. You know what I mean? Like no way. Before we get to our next question, let's talk about FFPC. FFPC launched in 2010 and it is the home of the largest high stake dynasty community in fantasy football. We're talking well over a thousand active leagues at this point. You can do a hundred dollar entry, or you can do a five thousand dollar entry. What? I mean, that's some serious. You win that. That's some serious money if you win a five thousand dollar entry per team league. Whoo! Straight, if, straight ballers. Straight ballers. Head over to myffpc.com. Look for the dynasty page. You can find orphans there, uh, new startup leagues, all kinds of things like that. But best of all, they don't, their leagues don't fold. They've never had a league fold ever. So you get in there, you know that that is going to be a reliable situation for you. Best of all, use my FFPC or go to myffpc.com. Use promo code nerds. You get $25 off any entry for new members, any entry. So you want to do the $100 entry. Now it's only 75. You do the $5,000 entry, it's not as significant. It's a little but bit it's of a smaller percentage on little, that one. A little bit smaller. So maybe use that one on the $100 league and then just do your $5,000 league as you wish. Work your way up to that 5K, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, promo code nerds at myffpc.com. All right, let's get to DJ Sizdowski, Sizdolski, something like that. He knows who he is. Exactly. Sounds right to me. Yeah. All right. Let's hear his question. What's up, nerds? This is Doug from Michigan. I am currently doing a 2023 Superflex 12-team startup draft with 2024 first-round picks as draftable assets. My question is, where would you be targeting Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Marvin Harrison Jr., who are presumably going to be the 101, 102, and 103 in Superflex 2024 rookie mock drafts. Thanks. All right. So this is similar to that league that Rich started uh, a little while back where you can get 2024 assets inside your draft. Uh, you, You can draft them right away. So, Matt, where would you be comfortable? Because you have to remember these guys are not playing this year. So it's different than drafting, you know, the 101, knowing that you're going to get B. John Robinson. He's going to be on your team. You draft the 101 for 2000 or 2024. I mean, you have, to, you have to wait a year, but you also like the players could change. We're pretty sure it's going to be Caleb Williams. And, you know, at this point, we have a decent idea of the class typically, but things do change. You know, Tua would have, we thought Tua was going to be that guy in his class and ended up being Joe Burrow was was the guy you know so these things do alter and change so we'll have to see but where would you feel comfortable taking the top couple assets in 2024 in the startup draft 
so here I, I'm trying to look right now, kind of where the 2023 guys are are looking in the ADP, and and right now Anthony Richardson is at one at one twelve, so last pick in the first round, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of starts going down from there. You know, I think Bijan is yeah one pick ahead of him, one eleven. Um, so in that range is is kind of where you have to start thinking about it, right? I mean. Where and where do those guys line up with this year's class and stuff like that? That's kind of where I where I would start my barometer. I mean, obviously, Bijan is Bijan. I don't think you know. I, I still think he's getting drafted ahead of the one one in in twenty twenty four. Right. Um, but I think the conversation has to be has to start with is it is he better than um, Anthony Richardson? Is Caleb better than Anthony Richardson? I think from a talent standpoint and, and an outlook standpoint, yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, that's at least the general consensus now. I haven't done tape study. I don't know that. Sure. Um, you know, nothing has been done extensively. And then the next guy on the list is Bryce Young at, at 2-9. So I think in that range is kind of where you have to – yeah, figure out where you're comfortable. Is it is it at the back half of the first round? Is it towards the back half of the second round, or it's kind of somewhere in between? Is where you start picking those picks. Um, you know, the only one that's a guarantee is going to be one one that you know you're going to get no matter what. It's going to be the best player. It's going to be a likely a quarterback. It's going to be the best player. The one two is is likely going to be. Um, the other quarterback, um, either, either Drake uh, May or or maybe May. even Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe Marvin Harrison, but it's super flex. So, so you, I mean, you got to kind of have in your head, hey, these these top two guys are going to be quarterbacks, at least in in my brain. So yeah. if I'm if I'm picking third, that's when you that's when it starts getting real tricky. Um, so you know, for one one anywhere between the last pick in the first round and the ninth or 10th pick in the second round, I feel okay with that, that one, one going there mm-hmm. after that, you're looking at, you know, third round somewhere for the, for the next two, I would imagine. Cause they probably pop off pretty quick thinking this could, this could be Drake may or um, Marvin Harrison for both those picks. Um, even though right. I, I would, I would think the quarterback's going to go first. You never know that third one could also be the quarterback also. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, the end of the first round is where people might start considering it. I would be shocked if the 1-1 lasted past the midway point of the second round. Like I don't I don't see that happening. So, my guess is probably somewhere around 2-1, 2-2, 2-3 is where people are going to they're going to want to get their player that they know for sure in the first round, but then in the second round they're going to start to consider it. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked with how hyped Marvin Harrison Jr. is and and even Drake May. You know, we're we're talking about all the quarterbacks in this class and the general consensus among the NFL draft community is that the two best quarterbacks in college football were not eligible to be drafted. So, most people believe that they are better than Young and Stroud and Richardson. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean better for fantasy, but but better in general. So right. we'll have to see, but both are good athletes as well. So I have a feeling they're going to go pretty high. So you might have to start considering them the next couple picks, even in the second round, like all of those guys I could see going in the second round. If, if Marvin Harrison, now, am I saying that you should do it in the second round? I don't know. That's a lot of risk to draft assets that, 
you don't even know for sure what those assets are going to be yet. Like that's a lot of risk, but Marvin Harrison as a prospect, I did a two, you know, I do the nerd score every year, but I've kind of started doing a couple of the big name players early just to kind of see where they stack up. So I did it last summer. I did uh Bijan and a Gibbs and kind of saw where they would stack up in the nerd score and whatnot. And I did the same thing this offseason uh, with with Marvin Harrison Jr. So a, a year early on Marvin Harrison Jr. And he would grade out as the highest receiver that I've done by a, a couple points. So that's higher than Chase and CeeDee Lamb and Devontae Smith. And, you know, like those were, I think it was Smith, Chase, CeeDee Lamb were the top three that I've graded over the past four seasons. So the thought on him. And I think a lot of people probably would agree is he is the best wide receiver prospect that we've had in the past decade. So you're probably going to have to take him in the second round as well. I I mean, as far as Marvin Harrison Jr., I I mean, I watch a lot of Ohio State football, so I haven't done the, the kind of tape study that I would do on a prospect normally, but I have watched him in plenty of games to, to at right. least have some sort of opinion on him. And, and he, he does look like the best wide receiver I've seen in a long time that I can remember watching. Like he's just, he's at an, he's at a different level than a lot of these guys. I, uh, I struggle. I remember in high school reading a prospect report. I was that kid, even in high school where I would get the draft guides and I would read through all the prospects and all that kind of stuff. And I remember getting to Calvin Johnson and it was the first time I had ever seen this in any of these draft magazines. They talk about the strengths. And so they listed all of his strengths. They listed his weaknesses, his weakness. They said none visible. Like they couldn't find any weaknesses with Calvin Johnson. And I kind of feel like that's close to where Marvin Harrison jr. Is like, on my first initial tape study, now I didn't do like a crazy deep dive, but there was nothing glaringly obvious about his game. Like there's other players where, man, I wish he was a little bit faster. Wish he had, you know, more size. I wish he had better ball skills. I wish he, like, I don't see any of those issues with Marvin. There, there aren't any of those issues. And the guy's work ethic is incredible. He is insane. Like he gets snubbed for something instead of pouting. He just goes right out and starts catching footballs off the jugs machine. You know what I mean? Like he just, he just wants to be the best. And, and it's not often that you can see that kind of stuff. Um, He's very transparent with it. It's, 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 and he doesn't do, it doesn't seem like he's coming off as being cocky. You know what I mean? He's just like, I got snubbed for, I wasn't picked as the Blitnikoff winner. I'm going to go catch a crap load of footballs while everyone else is partying and having fun. I'm going to be in a dark gym or like a gym by myself, just working out and do, and getting better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's the crazy, um, crazy mentality he has. That's what's going to make him great is, is those kind of things. And he already is um, a fantastic wide receiver. And, and once he gets to the pros, he's just going to get better. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for that guy. I can't wait to see what he, what he does. I know that I'm not going to be in position to draft him anywhere. So I'm like sad legitimately. I'm going to start yeah. trying to make moves. I think now for picks, high picks and you're going to have to, I know. So let me um, ask you this. This is a slight tangent. So rich would be proud, but <laughs> Uh, if you today, just off the limited information you have, we're not going to hold you to it. Things, a lot of things can change, but 
what wide receiver would you draft Marvin Harrison ahead of? So like, let I'll just throw out some names like Devonte Smith. Would you rather have Devonte Smith or Marvin Harrison Jr.? Uh, Marvin Harrison. Would you rather have Jalen Waddle or Marvin Harrison Jr.? From a talent standpoint, uh, Marvin Harrison. I just uh, so I mean, already you're basically saying he's a borderline top five dynasty wide receiver already. He's probably gonna once I'm done with my tape study, I would imagine that's where he enters. He might be three, just yeah. because he hasn't proven any, you know, um, yeah, proven in the NFL. That's from a talent standpoint. That's that's where he belongs. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. All right. Let's get to. We have time for a couple more. Let's do a couple more questions here. Um, this is Dylan J. Stoll. Hey, guys. Dylan from Vermont here. With the running back position in a fluctuating state right now, what can you do as a contender to take advantage of the uncertainty? It's a scary time to buy older vets, but does that mean the market might give you a discount if the price is right? Would you pull the trigger? Like Zeke and Delvin and so many others like Derrick Henry and everything like that. It's going to be a scary time to buy these older guys. What would you do? Thanks. All right. So where are you at on team old running back for contenders? You know, if you're, if you're looking at, you know, now there's, there's a little bit of a difference. There's guys where they're in a great position. We kind of know roughly what we're going to get like a Derrick Henry um, or a, Trying to think of another good example. I was going to say Dalvin Cook, but we don't know now where he's going to be. Um, uh, yep. Um, that that was going to be the like I, I was going to lead with that. Like uh, so, I've been thinking about this myself uh, for like the, the Dalvin Cook, like because I'm on a contending team that could use some running back depth, and I'm trying to gauge whether or not it, it is a good move. And I'm in the exact same boat as him. I'm not quite sure. I'm trying to figure it out myself. Um, I know that's. Uh, not the answer people want to hear right now. Well, let me throw it, this out there because the nice part about this is the gamble that you're taking is a much smaller gamble than other gambles that you're going to take in fantasy football. Because if you're acquiring Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, uh, maybe even guys that are not signed yet, like a Ezekiel Leonard Elliott. Zeke Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Leonard Fournette was a top eleven. Like he was, he was the number eleven running back eleven last year. Just not even signed right now. Um, so it is difficult. James Conner is a guy that's older, obviously yep. that in the same situation that he was in last year. So I'd feel pretty good Austin about Eckler. a guy like I would feel great about Eckler or Connor. Um, so the, I think those guys are tag. stable. The what price tag on these guys, for the most part, Eckler would maybe be the exception, but the price tag on these guys is second round picks. And dynasty probably, and and if it's like a Zeke, I mean, you're talking probably third round picks. So right. even if it blows up in your face and they get injured or they just fall off the age cliff or whatever, the cost is not that high to acquire these guys. That I personally feel like for a contender, that's the exact thing I'm trying to do is trying to go get these these kind of players. So here, here's where I'm at. I think it's going to be depending on the player. I think guys like Dalvin Cook have plenty of juice left. Leonard Fournette. Oh, I, yeah. I like, don't know have about, you have you sniffed and heard anything about Leonard Fournette? I have the, heard nothing. The hard part about Lenny is so much of that was just Tom Brady checking the ball down to him. Right. Absolutely. So that's the tough part. But like even Joe Mixon, like Joe Mixon's another good example 
we know roughly what his situation is. We know he's a good back. And you're going to have to give up a second, maybe a second and a third. Like you're not going to have to give up a ton to get Joe Mixon. Do you think it's that cheap for Joe Mixon? I feel like you. I feel like people are still going to want a first. They're still going to so? try to eat that out. I f- I feel like maybe they maybe they would. Maybe maybe yeah. it would be the old. All right, he's 26. If he was 27, you know what I mean. Like I know that sounds. I think stupid. he's turning 27 before the oh, season, yeah. isn't he? He is turning 27 in July. Probably 24th. If yeah, he was so 27, sell him while he's 26. <laughs> yeah, you better do it now because once that thing, that once that calendar turns over to July 25th and it says 27 next to his name, it might be a second. Yeah, it, it might um, be one of those situations where you give your first, which you're expecting to be 111, 112, yeah, uh, for Joe Mixon and their second. Yeah, that's not too bad, uh, but. So, I mean, guys that still have juice are are Joe Mexons, the Dalvin Cooks, Derrick Henry. They're probably going to run into the ground this year. I mean, yeah. Don't you think this is this has got to be the last hurrah for him? So I, I would feel okay with him as well. Zeke, I love the guy. He looked like he was running in sand. I mean, he shows all these pictures of him running in sand and stuff like that as a training method. He looked like he was running He's in sand. doing it. In the NFL. So, I mean, I'm, I don't feel great about giving up assets for Ezekiel. I don't feel great about Leonard Fournette. So, I think it's going to be a case-by-case basis depending on who they who they are and if they have any juice left in their legs. Yeah. Uh, and so, I think, you know, the guys I mentioned, obviously, Austin Eckler, I still feel, feel good about. He was coming off a uh, running back one overall yeah. season. Yeah. So. I still feel like he's he's pretty safe there. I don't think he's going to be a repeat, you know, running back one. But I I still think he's a he's he's not going to be running back one overall as a repeat. But I still think he's going to be an RB one um, in that realm. Um, so I feel good about him. And, and you know, the, the other guy, Alvin Kamara, I guess is 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 older. Is another one of these question mark guys. Not he coming off not a fantastic season, not horrible, um, yeah. and there's a suspension thing coming. So this is going to be case by case on all these running backs, and it's what you feel comfortable with and and what the deal is um, that you have to like what you actually have to give up to acquire them. Yeah. All right, let's get one last question in here. This is Coach Jordan Simpson. What up, nerd herd? So my question is, how impactful is it to have a backup quarterback in a super flex league? I'm a contender with uh, Joe Burrow and Danny Dimes, but I don't have a, anyone um, if one of those go down. I do have the 101, the 105, and 106 in this upcoming draft. Um, and my running backs and wide receivers are and tight ends. My roster is pretty solid. So I was wondering, is it important to have a QB3, especially as a contender and playoffs come around? Should I target older QBs um, in the time being? Um, so just curious of what I should do there. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I don't know your thoughts on this, Matt, but if I'm a contender, my worst nightmare is not having enough quarterbacks for a run. Like that is, that is the thing that will keep me up at night because there is a huge difference between having two decently good uh, to great starting quarterbacks and then having a guy that either sucks or you're you're starting another position at that mm-hmm. flex spot. Like that's a, such a point discrepancy that I I would very much so want to prioritize getting a quarterback, even if it's simply just you know 
old faithful Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Derek Carr, like, you know, guys like that. I know it's not exciting. I know it's not fun, but those are the guys that can save you if Danny Dimes breaks his leg in week four. You know, they can save your season. Um, I would also be open to drafting one. He said he has 101, uh, 105, and 106, so he literally has all the picks around where the quarterbacks are going at 102, 103, 104. Um, so, you know, I would be open to, to trading 105 and, you know, a second-round pick to get to 104 to get one of those quarterbacks or something like that. I would be fine with that as well. On a contender, I'd prefer somebody that was a little more stable, but I'm but I'm open to that as well. What What do you think? Yeah, on a contender, I would want something more stable. Um, but I, I think to answer his question, his direct question, it's very important. <laughs> you need to get a third quarterback if you're going to be contender yeah. for all the reasons that you already stated. So I'm not going to I'm not going to restate them. Um, but guy, I mean, you mentioned Jared Goff. I think that guy is so underrated. It's ridiculous. He finished right around uh, quarterback eight last year, quarterback nine, depending on your scoring. Yeah. And he still doesn't get the run that he deserves. And, and which means you can get, a, you can get him at a discount. Um, so he would be a fantastic, a fantastic QB three uh, to have on your team. Cause he's likely going to get you at least quarterback two type of numbers, but he's sure. going to go get those quarterback one numbers. I mean, it's going to be, Amon Ross St. Brown there this year, Jamison Williams, and obviously they brought in Sam Laporta to do some stuff. They they got Jameer Gibbs that they're going to be dumping yeah. the ball off to, which yeah. which equals you know cheap fantasy points for a quarterback. All those are great options um, to kind of make this offense hum and make it easy for Jared Goff to score points because all he has to do is get the ball into these playmakers' hands and they do the rest. He doesn't have to make all these big throws downfield. He can he can live in the short to intermediate um, stuff and, and and let them go go do their thing and get him extra yards. So I, I think Jared Goff, for me, would be like the main target um, as, as my QB3 in that league. Uh, but to your, point, to your point, Derek Carr and some of these other guys um, – Kirk Cousins, those are all kind of old faithful type of guys, like you said, that will get you through in a pinch. And they're they've been around for so long, and they've likely in most leagues have switched hands because yeah. these are the type of guys that move, and that makes them easier to move because no one's really attached to them. Everyone's kind of used to them, kind of coming and going from rosters as the as the rosters turn over and kind of change from a contender to a rebuild, and. Those are the kind of guys that I would go after. I mean, in, in as, as my QB three, if if all else fails, um, go with the young quarterback. You know, they're they're much less reliable, obviously, and you don't want to be counting on them during the playoffs. Um, if you're if you're a true contender, but who knows? You could get lightning in a bottle. Anthony Richardson could yeah. be there, and all of a sudden he's in, you know, running all all over the place towards the end of the season, winning your championships. So I mean, it it could turn out. It's just it's just hard to rely on them. Absolutely. Yep. I think we're I think we're in the same boat. So that wraps up our voicemail voice message uh, episode. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, if you did come back to the Nerd Herd episode because we're going to be answering a ton of trade questions. It is going to be awesome. So, Matt, anything else? No, man, that was a fun little new format. I liked that. It was it was fun. And, and I loved all the questions and just. I love general dynasty talk, I man. I feel like we don't do enough of that. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, we're always getting into newsy type of stuff or, or strategies and stuff like that. But these general questions take you down so many weird avenues that these are these are really enjoyable shows. 
Yeah, I didn't expect to be talking about where we would, you know, rank Marvin Harrison Jr. right now, but <laughs> but there we right. are. Yep, exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, we will be back in the Nerd Herd episode answering all of your trade questions. Adios.